trying to recover a loose puck on the boards and has. Works out of the corner, a pass in front, SCORES! Matthews will get credit for it! It goes in off a Dallas player, but the Leafs are three for three on the power play! Left-handed shot, top of the circle, in with a deke and a shot, and he scores! Roofed it over the net! And the second goal of the game for Dadanov has tied the game at three. Matthews with it again, high slot. Down into the corner now for Marner. Closing score! Holy Mackinac, what a goal! The Leafs regain the lead, and the big four are certainly in business tonight. And now a two-on-one break. Here's Havaris working in with a drop pass. Nylander scores! Sis! You kind of feel like, no, no, it's just gonna, you we're letting them hang around again. And that's the way it happened, but what a response. Uh, coming out, Austin takes charge of things out there, and Mitch a big time goal. And then, the, you know, John and, and uh, that line followed up. Uh, obviously huge. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Yeah, the core four and Morgan Riley, they're in business. The other, what? 14 players. Who cares? They're out of business. (laughs) They're broke. May I read to you? Uh, Good morning as well. Just the last 10 goal scorers for the Leafs. Yeah. Tavares, Matthews, Benoit. Yeah. Marner, Tavares, (laughs) Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, (laughs) Nylander. Simone Benoit. Who knew he added in him? Uh, An empty netter, yeah. Hey, we don't need to quibble with results here. We don't need to quibble with that one last night. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Man, Uh, fun night down there last night. Yeah. uh, You were, were, you know, like being responsible adult and child rearing. Me and S party. Yeah, me and S party took it in. Yeah. Yeah, I was was busy yelling at my kid for like when he wasn't part of a drill sitting on the ice instead of taking a knee or like skating around. Like, you don't do that. He's like, why? I I was like, no, just it's a bad look to be sitting... Or like lying down on the edge, yeah, just do, take what, a knee. Do you look like like all, I'm? At, oh, do you know what I'm picturing in my head right now? What is Jason Duffner? In yeah, the, oh my god, one hundred percent. You can't Duffnering. sit in hockey equipment any other way. Like he's no. not crisscross applesauce no. in hockey equipment. One hundred percent. He's Duffnering. Yeah, doesn't even know what that is. You should show him the picture when you go home. And be Does like, anyone know what Duffnering is anymore? Uh, well, okay. Planking and Duffnering. Here's what they I'll had say. A moment. Here's what I'll say. Uh, more people knew who Flea was when we were talking about that than know then, what Duffnering is right now. But you should show your your kid a picture of that and be like, "Do you yeah. want to look like this, uh, Major Champ? No. I know, but do you want to look like that?" The the answer should be no. Yeah, <laughs> just like leading the witness. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Good morning. Good. A uh, good morning to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs who. Got the formula for success, I guess. Uh, special teams was outstanding, <laughs> three for three Very on good. the power play. They got just enough goaltending to win, and we can talk about Ilya Samsonov in that we game. Will. And the core four was unfreaking believable. William Nylander, a couple of goals and an assist. Austin Matthews, goal number 41, also had an assist. John Tavares all of a sudden has goals in three straight games. They're all power play goals, but whatever. He had one goal, two assists. And Mitch Marner. With a beautiful goal as well. Um, I guess that's probably not sustainable, and you'd like to have something else for from the rest of the players, yeah. but well, you, you can't quibble with the result yesterday. No, you you can't. I mean, you can certainly quibble with the first period. There were other stretches of the game we'll you, talk about you, that yeah, too. You, you didn't like, but 
your big boys showed up. They all put on the cape at various different moments, and they were all kind of needed at that point in time. I mean, Marner has the massive answer back with with his goal, and then the fact that Tavares and Nylander hook up to ice the game late after Matthews finds finds a way to get one across. Nobody is going to sit here and tell you the recipe for success is only relying on your big boys to score all of your goals. But the recipe for this team to have success has to start with that. Like, you absolutely need this from these guys. It's not to say you don't want Tyler Bertuzzi to have one go off his butt and in because no man's ever been more snake-bitten. It doesn't mean you want to see more from Matthew Nyes in terms of offensive production. Max Domi, all that's true. But what do we talk about with these guys? They're yeah. the only team in the league that's built this way. Of course it's going to look this way. Yep. Um, and it largely looked that way in the six-game series win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I was going back and, and looking at some of the goal scorers in that series. So in the four wins, yeah, first time they got four wins in this iteration. I know who scored the last goal, that's for sure. <laughs> in this iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs. In those four wins, they had six goals scored by non-core four forwards. Mm. So it's not like insignificant, right? No. Like, Nola Chari had a couple of goals. Kerfoot had a winner or one to send it to overtime. Ryan O'Reilly yeah. had a pretty significant yeah. goal yeah. in that series as well. So you, you do need something, but the point remains that this team is only going to go as far as its core four players will take it. And, yeah, you want to point to one reason why they didn't win that second-round series against the, the Florida Panthers. I mean, Sergey Bobrovsky, I guess. But yeah. it was, yeah, the lack of production from the core four dudes. So... It's not ideal. You can't, you cannot, you cannot count on it each and every night. But if this team is going to reach the expectations it set for itself, it, it's it's hard to deny that it's going to come from those four dudes. Yeah, that's the only, look, there's no, like there is place where you can expect a little more from guys. Again, Matthew Nyes, like I think there's more there. I also think this season, this is kind of what you're going to get out of him. He's going to have, you know, I make the joke that like Matthew Nyes is like a young thoroughbred they don't quite know yet, but every once in a while he gets out of the barn and he's just galloping loose. And you're like, hmm, guy's a stallion. Look at him go. But more times than not, just kind of cruising around, milling about. Like it's a young player in the league finding his footing you can see there being more there okay max domi the offense at some point in time will come or you think it can with bertuzzi we've talked about the snake bit thing but beyond those guys who are you sitting at and going how dare you not score nick robertson i think that's a fair thing to say of him mm-hmm. if he's going to play in this league he should be scoring but who else yeah that's about holmberg. it holmberg you're expecting things <laughs> out of him ryan reeves he's a sniper now he did have a look coming off the wing and Buddy, if that would have gone in that, that building would have exploded that fourth line had some moments i mean they draw the penalty of so, course homer gets called for the penalty which is you know, the very... guy the guy held his stick or held him and yeah. then homer's like get this arm off of me and they're like hey you can't hold his arm like that right and that was a, a big moment in the game and, yeah. and they were given a defensive zone draw and you're like well here's the opportunity <laughs> that grabbed... the depth players are getting and sheldon keith is maybe showing some faith in some guys that have not been shown a ton of faith in in recent days, in, in recent weeks, and lo and behold, they take a bad penalty. I I grabbed uh, I grabbed producer Jeff Azaparty when that oh fourth God. line came out for for a, the defensive zone draw. Like it was like the Seinfeld stop short. Like it was so <laughs> jarring to me. It was like, oh my God. And then guess what? They get it out. They play in the offensive zone. They have a really nice shift the next time they're out there where they control play. They draw the penalty. 
That's all you need from those guys. Have a little energy. Now, you'd like it if some of those players could do other things so you didn't need, you know, your star players to play all the time on the power play and all the time on the on the penalty kill. But in terms of five-on-five, fourth-line minutes, I think you really liked what you got out of them. But that's about what you can get out of them. Mm-hmm. If they run into one every once in a while, great in mm-hmm. terms of a goal. But that's not what they're there to do. Uh, let's talk about some more positives. Yeah. I mentioned the power play. Three for three. I will say, though, and certainly the Austin Matthews goal is an example of this. It, do, it doesn't look like they're snapping it around necessarily all that well. I, I know Nylander goal is nice, yeah. one-timer, but yeah. Um, it just does feel like water finding its level a little bit. A little bit. And yeah, you, you, you may recall that they were one for their uh, last 20 at a, yep. a point. I do remember uh, that. Right before they are now six for their last eight. So yeah, this is this is naturally they weren't going to continue at the pace that they were on. I don't know if they're going to continue with this insane pace. Uh, be nice. It, I, I think they're closer to this version than the previous version. And I will say that it seems like they're, they're more apt to look for the, the not perfect play um, the way the power play looks in recent days. Yeah, that, I think there's definitely some element to that. I mean, you see it for sure on the Matthews goal. It's a roll. Like, I mean, that's probably the least nice goal he's ever scored yeah, in, in his That wasn't what he was NHL looking career. to do there necessarily. And, you know, I'm not going to say Tavares blistered his shot by any means, but I don't know. You get John Tavares a look in the slot. It's yeah. like, I think power play's working pretty well there. The, Nylander did blister yeah, his. Oh, my, that. That's a bomb, is what yep. I like. Kevin Barker came out of me when I was like, hmm, that's he a drive. Got back foot singing. He did. He was, uh, yeah, he was letting the bat head eat and get aggressive, found yep. something middle in. Pick your Barkerism. William Nylander did it on that, on that first power play goal. This has been the frustrating thing about the Leafs power play for, I don't know, so long as these guys have grown up and been here. It's that they will, when all things normalize, it's a little, <laughs> the Leafs power play is a little bit like Boba Shett's major league seasons is they, yeah, like when all else normalizes, it's going to be up there near the top. Like it's probably at the end of the season, going to be a top five, six, seven unit, something like that. And they're going to have a month where it looks the way it did, where they're one for 20 and they're going to have a week where it looks like this. And this, unlike other teams that have been able to use the, you know, I think of the Oilers first and foremost of this, they've been used the power play to kind of keep them afloat at times when they're not going as well. Mm-hmm. The Leafs haven't had that be a consistent threat for them. And I think that's just why people get so frustrated with it is because you see two mm-hmm. or three stretches a year like this from this team where they can't be stopped and it's good look after good look. But it also doesn't mean there's not more to be gained from the power play. That's the frustrating part. So they now find themselves tied for fourth in power play percentage in the National Hockey League after being second a season ago behind the Oilers' all-time great power play unit that was clicking at over 30%. Their percentage is actually higher than a season ago. Like, where where is the bar for this this power play? Because I, I don't think that they're exceeding it I, I think it's it's fine now you look at that unit and it's amazing what a couple of, that's of games a difference it can make well when you go six for your last eight power mm-hmm. plays that that significantly affects your percentage to me I don't look at that unit as underperforming anymore no I don't I, I think that you look at it as so long as those guys are able to score and they're going to again I, I I've said it before I'll say it again the idea of this team that's just going to cruise along in a consistent 27 percent clip that would be a really nice number that a lot of teams could kill for they're not they're gonna have months where they're going at 30 40 percent something along those lines and they're gonna have months where they look snake bit and that's what happens now the thing that I think frustrates me about that is that it shouldn't happen with the least power play because they have so many different types mm-hmm. of offensive players. Like, there's a world where you cannot change the personnel at all, but change the shape of the power play, move guys into different spots, and all of a sudden it's a completely different 
unit, right? I mean, we've seen Marner in the bumper spot. We've seen Marner up top. We've seen Matthews on his one-timer side. We've seen Matthews not on his one-timer side. We've seen Riley running point up there. There are a lot of different looks that you can have with this team. And I think that's why it's so frustrating when it goes cold because the personnel's not going to change. Like, yeah, maybe there's a world where one of those guys gets bumped out. So Bertuzzi or Domi. Or, I don't know, if he's really going, Robertson gets a look out there. But probably not. Like, it's going to be those five guys, and that's why it's so frustrating when it goes stale because there's no reason that the strategy can't switch up to have a different look if what you're doing isn't working. Like, have a plan A for sure, but what's wrong with B, C? Mm plans as well. It's weird how we view special teams in the National Hockey League. We talk about Corsi 4 percentage at 5 on 5. Like, well, how many shots did you get? 5 on 5. 5 on 5. That's the real game when in yep. fact like I keep coming to the microphone when, you know, the Leafs win a game on the strength of special teams and goaltending and saying that's the formula for this team. It's been largely the problem at times for this team when they go through slumps that special teams is actually you know, the route to victory for this team. I and mean, man, go back to some postseason series over the last near decade. Yep. And how different do things look if the power play plays the way it can or has looked during regular seasons? So John Tavares has scored three straight. All three are on the power play. Doesn't have an even strength mm-hmm. goal since before Christmas, December yep. 23rd. But look at the, the the goals that he scored a season ago and near 20 of them on the power play. Do you have a problem with like all this production and the, the changing of the narrative around him and him being back, you know, feeling good about himself, but on the strength of special teams, do you care about like the lack of five on five production from John Tavares? I would care about it if the line didn't look as good at five on five as it has. And there have been stretches where you haven't liked that line with Nylander, him and Bertuzzi there. But I think that's why I don't have a problem with him, you know, turning into at least production wise, a power play merchant here. This is who he is. This is a guy who's a slightly aging player. Foot speed has always been an issue. We, t- we talked about it yesterday with slower teams. He has a chance to look a little more spry to thrive a little bit more. And generally speaking with a faster, quicker team, he's going to struggle. So because that line has had such good, you know, underlying results, carrying pace of play, just score all of that. I don't have an issue with the five on five stuff because I've liked what Burton, Elander, and him are giving you. But yeah. if that line's getting caved in and he's not producing a five on five, then yeah, of course that's a problem. Yeah. But guess what? There's two parts of the game. Yeah. He's a two way center. Yeah. You know, for all we talk about John Tavares and we think of his OHL records, and well, look at his career high in points. Like, that's what he is, okay? Mm-hmm. He's a two-way guy, never going to cheat you, give you honest shifts, and that's what he's doing at five-on-five. Five. You can sit here and say, I'm sorry, they're paying $11 million for that? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. That's That was always part of the bargain when you signed a guy to a seven-year deal that was going to go into his 30s. So I don't ha- – would I love John Tavares to snap a few in at five-on-five? Five? Of course. Mm-hmm. But do I think it's the thing that's nuking this team, or do I think it's some big cause for concern for me? No. No, you're right to talk about the line looking good. And boy, I, I don't know if Tyler Bertuzzi will ever score again. Like you, you, I don't want him to actually until the playoffs. Yeah. Don't waste any. That's listen. If that's the bargain you make, it's a good deal. Him and Domi just sitting there. They're like, actually, <laughs> we can do this. We it's only 40 more games. We can find a way to not tuck. I don't. I don't want to fault an NHL player. Like I, it, look, Tyler Bertuzzi did all he could, like all alone in front. Like that doesn't happen no. in an NHL hockey game that you're, and it's almost, it's more difficult when you're that close to the goaltender, yeah. right? That you don't have a ton of room to operate. But if you told Tyler Bertuzzi, my goodness, you're going to get the puck all in uh, like alone mm-hmm. in front of the net. You're going to talk, right? 
No. Not going to happen. No, he's not. He, he, he cut his hair. Like, I know he was probably working towards this goal of having it long enough so he could donate it. And great thing. But you can't tell me that that's not a little superstition and juju in there as well. Like, oh, I yeah. need something. Mm-hmm. He, he had tape on the end of his stick last night. There wasn't a lot of it. Yeah. But there was tape on the end of his stick last night. He's clearly Maybe it'll a guy. be growing as the, as the goal oh, is Oh, and then by the end, he'll have like a goaltender knob. Yeah, right. Be nothing but tape. And Cabby shows up to be like, uh, can I see it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. The, the other thing I did want to say about the five on five, and you're right, like he hasn't scored a goal. I don't know. I thought that was a pretty nice play to cut it to the middle at the stars at five on five and set Nylander up for mm-hmm. his second goal of the night. So you're right. Like the goals haven't come for Tavares mm-hmm. and you don't want him to be a setup man, but I don't know. There's worse ideas when you're playing with William Nylander, a guy who's going to, you know, tuck 40 or something close to that mm-hmm. this year. So yeah, I, I just did want to double back on that because I, I had to check. I thought I was pretty certain it was five on five. And yeah, it was. was. Yep. Uh, after the Leafs had retaken the lead. What a goal by Marner. After it's like, the same exact goal he scored in two straight games, basically. Yeah, and I think we're we're used to seeing that from the opposition mm-hmm. when the Maple Leafs come back and tie a game yes. that, like, within a minute, the other team makes that point moot. Uh, we saw it. It wasn't exactly under a minute uh, in the Islanders game. But, yeah, we saw that with Pierre Engvall. Instead, it was Mitch Marner erasing the memories of aged Mark Giordano getting beat off the face-off and causing a penalty shot. Um, are we back to – was that – I, you're like the arbiter of these things. Was that regular season magic or 11 minutes left in the regular uh, regulation is way, way too early in a game for regular season magic. Hey. It just, it felt magic because it was such a nice goal. And then yeah. Nylander and Tavares score yeah. the 20 seconds later. I, I don't know. And maybe yeah. I'm swayed by being in the building there, but that did feel a little, sure. is this like regular season magic? Is I mean, it back? It, it looked like it was black magic when yes, of course. Wyatt William Johnson. Nylander looking for the hat trick. And I didn't fault him in the no, moment no, up no, no. to could he have taken a couple of steps maybe to get over? I don't know. Line? I was like, you know, not to, I, yeah, I, uh, not again, to like, I was in the there moment. At, no, yeah. I know in the moment yeah. I was, I was of the same opinion that there was pressure coming and it's, be, it's become in vogue in the NHL in recent yes. years to, to throw caution to the wind when mm-hmm. it comes to taking icings and just going for the empty net. And you, you figure, you know, the 40 goal scorer is going to be able to put the puck into the empty net mm-hmm. from center ice. Uh, he didn't. And it said squeaky bum time for the yep. final minute 20 of, of the game. But yeah, it, it is also, I mean, you talk about the Nylander 5 on 5 goal. Good to be moving further away from, oh, $92 million extension. This guy has completely gone in the tank since then. Yeah, maybe like Nylander seems pretty aloof. Maybe he forgot he got paid already. Mm-hmm. It's like he went, he bought the thing he wanted to buy, and then it's like auto deposit hasn't changed because the contract doesn't kick in until next year. Maybe he's... He's forgot that it happened there. You mentioned Nylander, or the 40-goal man. Uh, all of a sudden, don't look now. Mitch Marner, three goals less than him this year. Uh, you know, yeah. I got to give credit where credit is due. You know, we're going to talk to Kipper. We know it's been a hobby horse of his that he wants Matthews passing more. A lot of people have wanted Marner shooting more. Mm-hmm. And kudos to him. Like, it was a thing that was talked about. And I don't feel like it was nearly as much of a topic or even at all a topic this mm-hmm. year. If he's got to shoot more, that was such a last year thing. But you see the production and the confidence that's brimming for that player right now. And I, you know, we can make the argument, I suppose, about him or Nylander or maybe Matthews, but it feels like Marner is the one of those guys that depends most on the ebbs and flows of confidence mm-hmm. and needing to feel well, good to confident be confident on that goal. And he should. <laughs> I bet he wake, wake it up feeling pretty confident this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and good celebration for him as well. Very um, nice. So this is, you got to be careful when you're watching this team that you don't get too critical uh, after a 20-minute uh, period of play like the Maple Leafs had. 
right? Like you can, you can, you can make the evaluation that we all did that being down two to one, being outshot 10 to four, having five on five shot attempts be 27 to nine against your team, against a team that had just played the previous night. Yeah. Now, albeit not a million miles away, no. just down the street. Five minutes, actually. In, in, in Buffalo. But yeah, that that's an embarrassing opening 20 minutes, considering how high stakes the game should feel, considering the four-point loss that you suffered on Monday to the Islanders, considering mm-hmm. some of the conversation coming out of your head coach. But just like we've seen at multiple times this yep. season after four game losing streaks after points where you're like, oh man, their head coach is very much on the hot seat. Oh man, another loss. We're talking about them maybe falling out of the Eastern Conference playoff picture when their backs are as close to the wall as they mm-hmm. can get. That's when they respond. Yeah, it's th- I, I hated that first period so much. I agree with everything you said. I also have to say, like, I've seen this movie before where a team playing, I've seen this movie from the Leafs, where they come in, they're the team on the back half of a back-to-back. <laughs> they play one good period, try to jump on the team and yeah. really nuke them early, and and then they go away. And that's kind of what happened in the game. Like, I, you know, I don't think the Stars played terribly by any means, but it was a tale of two games. Like, there was a first two, there was a first period, and there was the second two. I thought the Leafs were pretty clearly the, the better team as that game went along, and yeah, like it, we talk about it all the time. You would love these guys to have the sense of urgency to come out and start on time and step on the neck and yada, yada, yada. We talk about it in the playoffs. We talk about it in the regular season. We talk about it on a Wednesday in February. It, they, they are who they are. Now, you know, I don't, I don't know where your head was spinning on this, but it's like I started to field some hot seat texts as the Leafs were down 2-1 well, in I that mean, game. It's, uh, losing in regulation yeah. in that game to that Stars team that gave up 48 shots against in Buffalo, won the game, but was playing on the back end of back-to-backs and the desperation that you should have felt, again, coming off a regulation loss in a, in a well-played 60 yep. minutes, but a regulation loss in which you at least had a point in the final couple minutes of the third period. To lose that game in regulation... What amped up the pressure. I'll talk about the standings yeah. spot. Your favorite. The Maple Leafs find themselves maybe a little later on in the show. But yeah, like it's it's just a regular season game against an out-of-conference opponent in early February. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's quite a conversation we're having if they lose consecutive in regulation yep. coming out of the All-Star break, considering where they where they find themselves in the standings. Like these, these two points are... Yeah. Very important right now. They are. I, you know, I'm going to be a broken record on it. They have to pick them up for this not to be the case, but I, I am the least worried person in the world. I just think the mixture of the quality that they have, and I don't want to overstate what it is, but the lack of quality that's behind them in the standings, I just, I don't know how worried they'll have to be, but they don't pick up these points. Like that conversation is going to get hairier and hairier. The weird thing too, about the start, as you mentioned in that game, and I want to be very clear, this is not an excuse. Just trying to paint a picture. I don't know what it is about Dallas. You know, I feel like every team in the league has a hundred guys from the GTA there. No. Did you see their social media it team? Was, I did. I actually didn't see what they did. Okay. So this is, I forget. It was one of the, the, the great uh, Leafs fan Twitter accounts sure. retweeting the, the stars, Twitter account okay. who had like a minute and a half long hype video of all the Ontario yeah. players on the stars talking about how amped they get for this yeah. game and how exciting it is to return home and saying like, well, obviously the home record's going to be 
brutal for yeah. this Leafs team. Look at like what other team has to deal with this. Yep. Like, yeah. They, they, and I think I wish I had the tweet at my disposal, yeah. but it's like, oh, the Sabres, you know, they're they're close in proximity, but it's yeah, no, there's no player that that's has this level of excitement to 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 come close to Toronto. It's when you come to Toronto, and every team has. At least yeah. three, four, five guys from the GTA. There were, again, it's not just the guys on the ice. Like, there's the contingent of people waiting after the game to, like, sh- glad hand with these guys is nuts. Also, what jumped out to me, again, I don't know if it got picked up on the broadcast or not, but you know how, like, certain fan bases have this, like, with Jets, when it's, like, true north, strong, and free, they like to yell the north. Because yeah. it's whatever stars in the in the, Amer- the Star-Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. It's like they were belting out stars and it was very jarring hearing it like you just normally don't hear that in Scotiabank and it was very audible like in the building you could super easy hear it and that was just like again you know there's a lot of family friends whatever yeah. in the building to have that it, it was very very audible so yeah That's, just wanted to paint the picture I my wife is from Texas I I interact with a lot of people from the state of Texas yeah. I can't tell you that I've ever in my life come across a Dallas Stars fan well but do you not think those are like I don't think Think those are Dallas Stars fans. You just I think, think those, that those are, are Wyatt, family members. Like I think those are Wyatt Johnson fans or whatever. And again, it's like you you mentioned the video that I didn't even see. It's like half the team is from the area. It's a little easier to do. Like you know, if you're if you're like just to pick on Wyatt Johnson because he picked on us scoring the goal last night. It's like okay, his his family sitting there. It's like they go Stars. It's like that's a little weird. But when there's fifty of them or mm. whatever sitting all together or close in proximity, it's like yeah. Echoes out, but I agree with you. I have also not met one in the wild. I don't know whether they exist or not. Yeah, oh, this has been interesting. Just uh, Marty Turco. This is the int- only one. Interesting question. Like, you know, living in the GTA, interacting with as many hockey fans yeah. as we do. Like, you do, you meet fans of other hockey teams, despite yeah. the fact it's that they're in Toronto. Panthers like, fan who worked here it was weird. Yeah, that was strange. Um, and yeah, you, lots of Habs fans for sure, especially people that yeah, you know, yeah. are from the East Coast or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. Like, what are the the bottom ten franchises, like the the teams that I've just never seen fans of, I would predator. say predator. I feel like I know a Predators fan. Okay, obviously Good the Coyotes yeah. go without saying. Although, like maybe you have some Jets fan in your life oh. that has like some mm. residual. Like they probably just hate them. I guess, <laughs> but I, I would. I feel like the the stars are in there. Um, all right, mm, I'm gonna think on that. Ilya Samsonov, yeah, gets the victory. <laughs> And I will say that, yeah, I know you were thinking the exact same thing when uh, he gets beaten, like, in the first couple of minutes. I just tweeted stinky. Yeah, well. I did just tweet that. I was going to do the gif of the guy doing stinky with his hand, but I just Mm -hmm. said, no, just the word's enough. You can tell when, you know, it's suffering a a shot off the post in the early minutes or, as Bruce Boudreau says, like, yeah, it's... Puck is rattling off the end boards, and then he's turning uh, like a half God, second afterwards. Terrible. Like, whoa, where did terrible. that come from? Terrifying. <laughs> His save percentage actually went down Ooh. after yesterday's performance. But, yeah, scoreboard. I will say in the two performances after the All-Star break, boy, we're grading on a scale. Again, yep. like the Columbus Blue Jackets game in Columbus where the Leafs play a pretty good road game, and they get undone. They get a point, but mm-hmm. they lose in overtime thanks to just a no-good, awful performance from their goaltender. And at his worst, was allowing two and three Mm -hmm. awful goals a game in a hockey game. And he looked at his best in the first of the two wins against the Winnipeg Jets. That's not that long ago. Mm -hmm. But it's on a guy whose season we're evaluating start to start and whether he can regain the the form that he showed through 82 games and then six games in the playoffs last year. Yeah, we're trending back in the, like, okay, he's... 
middle of the road type guy. He's not as awful as he was the it, it resulting in him being sent to yeah. the American League. But yeah, the idea that he's going to return to a 920 save percentage guy, the first two starts of the second half haven't been that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm certainly not holding my my breath on that. It's a guy who's found his footing. I think that's the that's the best thing you can say about him right now. He did make some good saves in that game as well. Like there were a couple difficult chances. He he a couple tough deflections that he had to find a way to get a pad or get a stick on. And look, another stand up save too. He had in that weird. game. Like he just like kicked it. It looked it, like <laughs> me when I don't want to get in the butterfly and I'm playing yeah. like road hockey goalie or something. Like yeah, it was weird. But no, it's not a game where you sit there and go, oh well. Joe Wall, there's nothing he could do to get back in that net when he's healthy. He might be back in there now. The the way, like not actually, but they're not going to rush him. But there is no reason that this isn't at the very least an open competition when Joe Wall returns. I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love Samsonov to go on a run between now and then to the point that it seems crazy to put anybody in other than him. But I just don't think that's going to happen. See, you know what Samsonov's like? He is. He is the boomer bust goaltender. Like, it's what he is. He's capable, really, really good. He's capable, really, really bad. And I actually think it's probably pretty encouraging that he's been able to find some semblance of middle ground because that really hasn't existed. Now, last night wasn't that. Mm -hmm. A couple, like, you get beat along the ice. You get beat right clean five hole. You know, the penalty shot goal, we're not going to kill him on, although... Mm -hmm. Why does it always look so easy to score on him on a breakaway? That's yeah. the thing I can't. I, well, like, I'm not going to kill a guy for getting scored on a penalty shot. It is what it is. But that game plays out differently with Jake Ottinger as well. Like Scott Wood, Wood <laughs> didn't exactly you think. look like a Vesna caliber goaltender. All right. Uh, I mentioned uh, the standings, how they look right now. Mm. Leafs back into a top three spot in the Atlantic Division, which means season ended today. First round matchup on the road against the Panthers. Great. And it means the Lightning, the team that they just passed, would get a first-round series against the Rangers, which is, of course, like... Of course they uh, would. <laughs> of course. And maybe Igor Shosturkin regains it, and, and that is the more difficult of the two matchups. But I will say, right now, the way the two teams are playing, the Rangers and the Panthers, although the Rangers have won three straight, like... Yeah. yeah. Like, if you had your druthers, you'd, you'd take the Rangers over the Panthers. You, oh, you disagree? No, it's not. It's not that I disagree. It's that there is just so much time between now oh, yeah. and the playoffs. And no, but think of all, th- more than in years usual, think of all the teams we've anointed this year. It's like the Oilers were dead mm. and gone. Now they can never lose. The Golden Knights are cup champs. It's like they've had a swoon. The Kings were so good that that what's the point in even making any trades? This team is perfect. Uh, actually, we stink. We're going to fire our head coach. There have been so many teams that have climbed to the mountaintop and appeared unassailable only to stub their toe. Now, I don't think that's going to happen with the Panthers, but I am I am a touch higher on the Rangers, I think, than most people. It's mm. They have one of the goalies. They have, mm-hmm. you know, a, like I don't want to overstate what it is, but they have a pretty nice blue line, and then they do have some skill up front. Now, it's not maybe as much as you'd want. Lafreniere, you'd like them to take more strides, yada, yada, yada. But I, I'm not certain that the Rangers are... I don't think anyone, I don't want to make a straw man here that anyone's making them out to be a cupcake matchup, but they're a little scarier more, than people are, are making them out sure, to look. Sure, I, I think. think it's more giving credit to the Panthers sure. for one, the five-game series victory over totally. the Leafs a season ago and the run to the cup final on the strength of an otherworldly postseason for Matthew Kachuk, yep. uh, who, what was the injury that he suffered by the end of it? Like, broken body? Like, yeah, his, just his, he, his he chest was just caved can't. in? I mean, the one that always sticks out for me is Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured I lung. thought it was, like, a punctured lung. It might, like, I broken rib or something. Yeah. He did play a game with it. Yeah, but... wasn't the story about, like, Brady had to, like, get him out of bed yeah. or something? <laughs> Which, 
I don't like cap circumvention. He's not on the team. Get a trainer up there. Anyways, yeah, it was it was how playoff ready that team feels. Totally. And I mean, proof in the pudding yep. in the five game series victory. And again, the run to the cup final. Anyways. Uh, we'll circle back around naturally to the Toronto Maple Leafs oh, after. I have one thing. I have one thing that's not like a big topic, but I figure it's good to quickly mm-hmm. get in here. Um, if we're gonna have a power kill in this city, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that maybe expanded a, in a second. But Ryan Reeves can't be serving bench binders. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves makes sense to serve a bench binder if it's your David Camps and mm-hmm. your Holmbergs, and okay, it's like you're gonna try to keep this thing going. And but if it's Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews out there, then wh- why isn't Max Domi serving a bench minor or somebody right. on you those mean lines? coming out of the box? Yeah, so coming that you out can of the do box. The same thing the Islanders did. I- I'm not saying it's like he's sitting there waiting, but there was a play when Reeves came out there where like I don't want to overstate it, it wasn't mm. some awful play, but a more skilled guy is able to keep possession, and you know who knows probably results in nothing, mm-hmm. but. These are little moments that can hinge games. So I have no problem with Reeves serving the bench minor if it's going to be your traditional killers out there, mm-hmm. your Gregors, your Camps, whatever. But if you're going power kill, power then kill looked good. Power kill looked so good. Maybe last night. the best penalty kill they've had this season. Yeah, I, without scoring. Yeah, I mean, so they, they've scored. No, but I mean that. Like, I think that I think that sometimes, not that it's luck, but it's like one break is all you mm-hmm. need for a shorthanded chance. Sometimes did Matthews try the Kucherov there, where he tried to like know. leave? Yeah, the puck? I. I hated that. You have got the best shot in the world. Yeah. You are right at the hashies on a goalie who's fighting it. Maybe just rip it. I hated that. But is that what happened there? I, I think it was just trying to slide it. Like, I don't think it was the full, like, Kucherov no-move move. I think it was just trying to slide mm. it five-hole, which he does love to, like, Matthews loves to do it. And this is a goal scorer mm-hmm. thing. Like, they love the idea of not beating you clean. I mean, they like that, too. But if they shoot it right through you, that is the thing that truly yeah. feels best. And I think that's just what Matthew's going He had a couple of that. breathtaking moments. Yeah. Not, yeah like, not the goal. The no. goal is not breathtaking. No. But no. yeah, he had a couple of breathtaking oh, moments. And his ability to just hunt pucks and come from behind, stick lift guys without taking penalties. It's it's remarkable. Some good passes from him last night that didn't result in much. I was about to say like, oh, if only he could play with someone who could shoot it in the net. But that's hard. Mitch Marner did what he did last night. Yeah, he did. Because he can. He, he's capable of doing that 35 times a season. All right. When we come back. Uh, Raptors played a game that's besides the point. It's the NBA's trade <laughs> deadline today. And we had the result of the Vlad Jr. arbitration case. Was it worth it for the Toronto Blue Jays? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports on 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning. Okay, Raptors be the Hornets. Watch what I'm about to do. You ready? I'm watching it with my own eyes. Okay, ready? Yeah. Ready for this? Okay, can't wait. Do the thing. Do it now. In games that Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Jakob Pertl have played, they're just one and one. And the one loss was a double overtime loss to one of the best up-and-coming Western Conference teams, a a team that they had a 23-point lead against in the second half, Mm. the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, as they improve to one and one. So I'm in two game sample. Yeah. It's uh, like they lost to one of the best teams and they beat one of the worst ones. Yeah. It's tough. And it, it took a second half comeback to, yes, to not did. lose again yeah. to Charlotte yesterday. We're not going to spend a ton of time on the game game. Uh, and we'll talk to Michael Grange later on. But yeah, 
Uh, Darko Ryakovich really laid into his team mm. in the second half during a timeout, and I, I guess the announced crowd was about 11,000. Most people indicating that it Dressed was like a seat night, yeah. far less than that, and who can blame them? Despite the, the some interesting talent there, and Brandon Miller, and yeah, he's okay, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Darko took his team to task, despite the fact that this is a strange moment in Raptors history. It's going to be less strange tomorrow, but I think a lot of guys are looking around and saying, like, what's me? happening? Me? You? Yeah. Not, not, not the guys that, that are matter. important to this yeah. team's future and quickly and Barrett and Barnes and, to a lesser extent, Pirtle. But the other guys are wondering what they're in it for. But, yeah, okay, they... they they won a game. They're, for one night at least, they were better than the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and Grady Dick is also, like, now I don't feel so bad. There was a moment there where I was like, oh, I see Grady Dick, like, shaving his face on a commercial. And I'm like, that's that's going to be tough. Like, hopefully you're saving that money because this is going to be a unique moment in this <laughs> franchise's history that will be like, remember when Grady Dick had his own commercials and now he's, you know, out of the league? Yeah. Good for him. Apparently not. Good for him that he's able to do the thing that's being asked of him, which is hit the threes. He's doing mm-hmm. that now. So th- that's good. Yeah, run around and make your shots. Like, there's really not that much more that's going to be asked of you this year. If you prove to be a capable rotation piece, then, yeah, you start to look for more things. But in year one, especially for a team that, I don't know, basically since the title has needed nothing but shooting. So, yeah, you you want to find a way for this guy to carve out some role for himself, and it certainly looked like dark, dark days early on in the season when he's going to the G League and not performing there. And, yeah, it's been, quite honestly, shocking to, to see. I'm, I'm floored. Yeah, he's he's playing in, in, in late-game situations now, and deservingly so. So today's the deadline, this mm-hmm. afternoon. Yep. Four o'clock, I believe. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I'll be, I, I, th- here's what I can tell you is I'll be napping at that time. Okay. Uh, I might be as well. Depends on how my day goes. I'm going to go to the Leafs outdoor practice with mm-hmm. my kid. And we'll talk to Wendell Clark, who's going to be down there as well. Maybe we maybe snap a pick with, with uh, Wendell. Yep. Um, so it's, it's at 4 o'clock this afternoon. We'll talk to Michael Grange. Um, it obviously depends on the return. And Bruce Brown feels like one of the, the, the key pieces the Raptors are going to send out here. He cannot be combined with any other player because he was just acquired from the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So that plays into it. But, like, how are you, like, without knowing the specifics of yeah. how this afternoon are going to play out, how are you going to judge this Raptors front office? So the Brown thing is interesting because I feel like, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm not as alone as I feel like on this one, but I feel like I'm a bit alone on an island. Is that, I don't, are we, like, we're 1,000% positive he's going to get traded? Not 1,000, but I will say. Because if you're Masai Ujiri and you believe that you want, you don't want to languish in, you know, lottery land forever, that. Why Why is there no world where you pick up that option, you attach draft picks to it, that is a like in a league where you need contracts to move if you want mm. to acquire contracts. I think if he gets his price today, Brown's gone. And he should be gone if he gets his price. But if it's another late first rounder in a draft that we've been told by well, everyone in the world that it stinks, mm. is it the worst play in the world to... Because he can be... I, I This is a good thing we'll ask Grange about, but it's like I believe he can be combined with players at a draft time trade yes. because he's not just recently traded. Again, the NBA with so many rules to you be trading. You want to talk about is, the second apron? No, I don't. I, I Like, for a league 
it's remarkable that the NBA, it feels like guys are getting traded all the time. And there's so many rules yeah. regarding who can and get moved in the NHL. It's like Chris Tanev cannot be traded. I'm sorry. Everyone in the league wants him. People have assets. There's even teams of cap base and they yeah. still can't do it somehow. It's, it is remarkable. I, that's where, I, that's how I look at the deadline is with Brown specifically, if they don't meet their price, I don't think it's the end of the world if he doesn't get traded. And that is a big 180 for me. Cause I've been saying it's the end of the world for oh. three deadlines in a row. If guys don't get traded. Oh, so really say I'm of the opposite mindset. Like to me, the way I'm going to judge this front office and the, I think the proof is now in the pudding that mm -hmm. they've made the, the two significant trades of OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Mm -hmm. I'm entirely going to be judging them on how many of the tradable assets head out the door. That's, um, that's Chris Boucher yep. who like, they're looking for seconds, Something. like whatever you can get for Chris Boucher because he has money on his next contract year. for next year, by around 10 million bucks. Uh, and now I'll talk about the second apron teams Ooh. that are afraid of the second I mean, team, like players with, with, with money that goes into 24, 25 are harder to move in this day and age, considering the punitive penalties in the CBA mm -hmm. for teams that are over the cap and into the luxury tax. So yeah, whatever you can get for Chris Boucher guy, who's not even in the rotation for mm -hmm. this team right now, yep. obviously you're looking to get Dennis Schroeder. Sure. You need veterans, I suppose around a rebuilding team, even if you're not going to be any good, but I think somebody's going to meet your price on Dennis Schroeder, Bruce Brown. Yeah. I guess you don't want to go from a team that thought that this this draft stinks to the team with like fifty percent of the picks. Well, the thing is though, is <laughs> you like can if you move have those. Well, and if you have half of them, like there are going to be good guys. I honestly was one of my questions with Grange. I was like, so the we we know that there's going to be at least one, maybe two players out of this draft that are significant contributors. If you just factually have more bullets in the chamber, yeah. if you own, if you could say, hey, you have every player that's drafted in 2024, you feel pretty good about that because yeah. one of those guys is going to be good. Anyways, yeah. if that's the best you can do on Bruce Brown trade, I, I say do it. Um, Gary Trent Jr., thanks, but no thanks. Like I, I'd be more than willing to wave goodbye to him. I will judge this front office mm -hmm. on how many of those guys that are clearly not part of this team's inevitable future, how many of those guys are waving goodbye before 4 o'clock this afternoon? So how do you have to balance, in your mind, the idea of getting as many futures as you can getting as many, you know, future assets in the cupboard to make the core better when you eventually, you know, feel like you're ready to win. However soon that may be versus you to your point, like you need some vets around, man. You do, you mm. cannot look like the vet who's here is never going to be Fred Van Vliet right now. Somebody mm. who is a integral part of the team who matters a lot, but you can't just turn over the entire culture of your team to Barnes, Barrett, and quickly. And I don't even say that as like a knock on those guys' but those culture. those guys are not like rookies, right? Like R.J. Barrett, it, it feels like he's a veteran in this league, and I know they're 23, 24 mm -hmm. years old, and and for quickly, he's a guy who's in a in a starting significant role for the first time in his career. Yeah. But we're talking about, what, year four for Scotty Barnes yeah. as well? Guy who's now an all-star? I don't know if you necessarily need a babysitter for these guys. It's not. A, and Jakob Pertle's there. He's 27. Yeah. Okay. Pertle is a bit of a different animal, but I also think like, let's just be real about like, do we think Jakob Pertle carries like a ton of weight 
among the He's seven that feet core. tall. Well, I mean, yeah, he literally does probably like two sixty or something along those lines. But I, I just think that you need to have respected veterans around this team. Still, I do wow, still you think don't you don't respect Jakob Pertl. It's unbelievable. Well, no, he's just he's he is what he is. Like he is a cromulent center in the NBA. But I yeah. don't think Scotty what? Barnes looks at him and goes like, "Oh, oh there's the at, sage old vet." They look at Dennis Schroeder that way. I think I I think there is something of this guy's played in L.A. This guy's a Lakers. This guy's played with LeBron. He just won gold at the FIBA World Cup. Like Dennis Jakob Schroeder played a, with with one of the great coaches in the history of the sport. Yeah. And that carries a little teensy bit of weight. <laughs> but Jakob Pertl's a guy in like the prime of his career. I'm talking about real legit vets on this team. And I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with any of the guys you're saying move out. Mm. I just think you need to be, if, if the, if the plan for the rest of this year is, you know, get those guys really comfortable playing with each other and build a good culture around them. I just don't know that tearing away every single thing to the studs is the way to do it. I'm not, if you get your price on individually, any Mm. one of those guys move them all. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I think you need to be, you know, like it seems ridiculous to say, but like, okay, Chris Boucher is the money next year, but you know, a guy like that, it's like, I don't, I don't have a problem with him being around. Like, you don't want the money on the books. I get that. But you uh, need people who have played in the league. You don't want, like, a Coach Darko, he's never done this before either. You need people who have been through the rigors and the grinds of this before. And I just, don't, I, I, I worry about that. It's not to say don't make your trades. It's not to say that. But I worry about what that does to Barnes, Quickly, and Barrett. I, I say get rid of all of them. Like obviously there's like there's a limit like not for nothing you're not trading Bruce Brown for second round pick in this year's draft but and all indications are that there this might be a meh deadline like yeah. boy I guess the Sixers are they're gonna keep adding despite the fact that Joel Embiid's future this season is uncertain but like the Lakers now are buying on D'Angelo Russell being the answer there because they beat the Celtics and the Knicks recently um, the Bucks have no draft pick. Capital to speak of because they just trade for Dame. So uh-huh. I, yeah, I think what you're saying is is a, a very viable scenario. I, I wouldn't like it very much. Okay, and I, I would judge the uh, Raptors accordingly. I, I want to be clear: like bodies, plural, should mm-hmm. be leaving out mm-hmm. the door today. I just don't think it needs to be every single one of them. All right. Um, before we take the break, yeah, I mentioned it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s arbitration hearing. He's a winner. You'd say these guys never win anything. He's a winner. He is. Uh, he won his arbitration hearing. He will make just shy of $20 million next season, $19.9 million, the largest ever arbitration award. It was going to be that way even if the, the team won. Um, it's the 16th hearing in franchise history. Blue Jays now 9-7 and seven all time. And uh, six of those are under this regime. Okay. That that was actually my next follow-up. It's like, because I see these college football records sometimes. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. That happened in 1972. What does that have to do with now? Batting 500. They're uh, three for three. Okay. Or three and three. Um, as that, that drops them to 500. Does this mitigate whatever damage happened in that room? Like there was obviously, and like I said yesterday, you don't go to, the, you don't go to a hearing Without trying to win, if you're just you know laying down and dying, yeah. you should have just acquiesced to his desires before you exchanged numbers. So clearly, there was an argument made by the Blue Jays that he's not worth 19.9 million dollars. Is it mitigated because you know a three-person panel of mystery people said you're right, Vlad Jr. 
Actually, I think it's kind of worst case scenario. I, I wasn't as big a believer of this, but the more I thought about it yesterday, you know, your idea of he goes into the room and he feels slighted and that allows him to have the chip on the shoulder. It's like, this is kind of worst case scenario. He feels slighted, but he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder because the guys who didn't slight him were like, hey, you're actually great. And then he has to go work with the guys who slighted him and he was proven right over. This is kind of, I, I actually don't, I'm not a believer that I think this is really going to impact his season one way or another, I don't think. But this is kind of worst case scenario if you're just looking at it from my perspective where you go into the room, he wins, he gets what he wants, mm -hmm. he's feeling happy but slighted, worst case scenario. Yeah, Blue Jay shouldn't have done this. I was of that belief before this came down, and it's undeniable now. They, they didn't even save the less than two million bucks that they were looking for. No. So... That's really bad. Mm -hmm. uh, I was also reported by Shai Davidi that once the numbers were exchanged, unlike Bo Bichette's mm -hmm. negotiations a season ago, there were no talks between the two sides about what would have been only a two-year deal, and I guess it's more understandable than the three-year deal that Bo Bichette signed to cover his final three years of arbitration. But, yeah, a little bit of a curious situation. Yeah. It I mean, in that instance, it does kind of – Aligned with what, with what we saw with Corbin Burns and the yeah. Brewers a season ago. Like, he mentioned that. He's like, hey, that they weren't interested in keeping this thing out of a, a courtroom, which was, yeah, also tied into the the lack of trust between these two sides post-fact. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely was uncomfortable. The fact that there was no conversation is super telling, like, from both sides' perspective, quite quite frankly. It's definitely telling of what the Jays think of Vlad. It's also, you know, it's the, it'd be one thing if they talked and the numbers were just astronomically apart, but the fact that there's been no numbers, it's like that's pretty telling there in terms of mm -hmm. the potential road they see with this player. It's I embarrassing. Think. All this is embarrassing. Bad. Honestly. Uh, and it's it's all moot if Vlad does the Vlad things yeah. and go do the not a movie or not the trailer. Yeah, I'd like to and, see the movie. And if if he is twenty twenty one Vlad in twenty twenty four, and the pitching staff doesn't take a huge step backwards, I I, I think Blue Jays are exceeding eighty nine wins and uh, probably winning a playoff game this season. So that this conversation Scoring could two be, runs? be yeah maybe. Um, this conversation could be just lost to the the sands of time, but mm -hmm. it hasn't happened yet. So we have to judge with uh, what the evidence that we have. And right now, it's Blue Jays stubbed their toes a little bit. Uh, there's no denying that after they lost the arbitration case against Vladimir Guerrero Jr. When we come back, the Toronto Maple Leafs won a hockey game yeah. against a division leader yesterday as they sweep the season series against the Dallas Stars. Maybe portending a Stanley Cup final preview would take. <laughs> No such thing as a bad cup final involving the Leafs. That's true. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to Nick Kiprios of Real Kipper and Born as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.